Hey guys, and welcome to a new episode. We'll continue our series of nuclear radiology review. This is your host, Mohamed Halaiba. What are the downside of using technetium HMPAO for bone scans? Two main things. The half-life is short and there is normal GI and gallbladder uptake. How to interpret the combination of sulfur colloid and indium white blood cell scan? So we know from prior podcast that sulfur colloid will accumulate in bone marrow liver and spleen now typically sulfur colloid or normally even if the sulfur colloid will accumulate within the bone marrow and indium white blood cell scan which is a tracer of infection will accumulate in infected bone so in osteomyelitis what we'll see is we'll see lack of bone marrow because of the infection so we'll see photopenic defect of sulfur colloid and we'll see increased tracer uptake of indium white blood cell scan so for osteomyelitis or infection we'll see increased indium white blood cell scan uptake and decreased sulfur colloid uptake. Image options for parathyroid scanning in nuclear medicine. So we alluded to this yesterday. We have two options, either use dual phase imaging or use dual tracer imaging. For dual phase imaging, we'll use technetium system AB scan, which will have thyroid and parathyroid uptake in the early stage, and then parathyroid uptake in the later stage as it will wash out from the normal thyroid tissue. The dual tracer technique works by using system EB or thallium in the first phase, and then using a second agent, typically indium, uh, typically iodine-123 or pertechnitate, which will be uptaken by the thyroid. So what we do is we'll give the system EB or thallium, which would be uptaken by the thyroid and the parathyroid, and then give a second agent that will be uptaken by the thyroid. What we do then is we subtract the imaging, and when we subtract it, we'll get where the parathyroid adenomas or parathyroid tissue is. Again, two options, dual phase imaging, using early and late system EB radio tracer to locate the parathyroid, which will hold the system EB as compared to normal thyroid tissue, and then dual tracer, which we use a tracer that is picked up by both thyroid and parathyroid, typically system EB or thallium, and then use a tracer that is picked up only by the thyroid, commonly I-123, and then subtract those images. Differential for suprascan, what we mean by suprascan is that there's so much radio tracer uptake by the bones that there is no uptake in the kidney. What is the differential for it? Well, number one, the radio tracer we use is MDP. So SuperScan is typically for MDP uh, radio tracer. And the main differential is diffuse osteoplastic bony metastasis, most commonly breast or prostate cancer, where there is so much radio tracer uptake that we do not see the kidney because it, the bone is so bright. Now, the other option is you have hyperparathyroidism, meaning a metabolic process, including, for example, hyperparathyroidism, renal osteodystrophy, where the kidney is not working, Paget's disease, and severe thyrotoxicosis. Again, differential for metabolic causes, meaning not bone activity, not metastasis of suprascan, is hyperparathyroidism, renal osteodystrophy, Paget's disease, diffuse Paget's disease, and severe thyrotoxicosis. And for metastasis, it's breast cancer and prostate. Causes for false positive gastric uptake for GI bleeding. So in GI bleeding, what we're looking for, we're looking for localization of blood or particularly radio tracer that would leak into the GI system. The key feature of true GI bleeding radio tracer study is that the bleed or the radio tracer would propagate in the bowel shape. So if it's a colonic bleed, you would see the radio tracer progressing from one slide to the next on the periphery of the abdomen, just like in the shape of the colon. 
in small bowel GI bleed, you would see the radio tracer accumulate within the mid of the abdomen in the configuration of the small bowel. Now, false positive, meaning that we think that we have a GI bleed, but it's not really a GI bleed. One, if there is free technetium, meaning technetium is not binded to red blood cell and it's leaking out or it's being normally uptaking. And we see uptake in the stomach or gastric mucosa, but also we will see uptake in the salivary and thyroid tissue. Other options include there's severe hydronephrosis where radio tracer will accumulate in the renal pelvis, transplant kidney where the radio tracer and the radio tracer being excreted onto the bladder will mimic bleeding in the cecum. But again, the difference is it's not moving or progressing as if it was in bowel. And finally, if there is a hemangioma in the liver, which will uptake red blood cells, and it would make it look like there is a right upper quadrant bleed. Again, key differences is from one image to the next, especially if you look at multiple series of images, the blood does not progress. If So again, the false positive causes, if there is free technetium, then it would be uh, taken up by the salivary, gastric mucosa, and thyroid tissue. If the technetium is not free, meaning it's still binded to red blood cells, we can see accumulation in dilated renal pelvis, in a transplanted renal kidney in the right lower quadrant, and can be the left lower quadrant as well, and hemangiomas of the liver. Best imaging study for extraadrenal pheochromocytoma. Again, for extraadrenal pheochromosome chromocytoma, the best study is indium octreotide scan. Again, indium octreotide scan is the imaging of choice for extraadrenal pheochromocytoma. In the prior questions, we talked about extraadrenal pheochromocytoma. Now, what's the imaging modality for nuclear medicine that would be for evaluating for adrenal pheochromocytoma? For adrenal pheochromocytoma, best imaging is MIBG scan. Again, this is for adrenal pheochromocytoma. So MIBG is basically neuroepinephrine analog, and so it is uptaking by the adrenergic tissue. MIBG scan is considered a second line for paraganglioma, which extraadrenal pheochromocytoma kind of falls in that category after scan. Again, for extraadrenal pheochromocytoma or paraganglioma, MIBG scan. For adrenal, sorry, for extraadrenal pheochromocytoma or paraganglioma, it's scan. For a adrenal pheochromocytoma, it's MIBG scan. And finally, for neuroblastoma, MIBG scan is the first line for evaluation. Again, neuroblastoma, MIBG, paraganglioma, first scan, followed by MIBG. And then finally, for adrenal pheochromocytoma, it is MIBG scan. Contraindications for I-123 or I-131 scan. These are factors that decrease iodine uptake to the thyroid, which include renal failure, recent iodinated contrast, you know, any CT scan with contrast, amiodarone, which has, con which has iodine in it, nitrates, thyroid blockers, high diet with iodine, and primary and secondary hypothyroidism. Again, anything that decreases iodine uptake is a contraindication for thyroid study with iodine. So renal failure, IV contrast, amiodarone, nitrates, thyroid blockers, high diets, and primary and secondary hypothyroidism. When to use propylthiouracil PTU instead of methmazole for hyperthyroidism. Typically, if the patient is allergic or there is low white blood count, and finally for pregnancy. So methmazole is contraindicated in pregnancy and low white blood count because it decreases or worsens white blood cell numbers and if the patient allergic. Otherwise, methmazole is the first-line treatment for hyperthyroidism.
what defines urinary obstruction on LASIK renogram, lack of urine washout after LASIK injection. So if 20 minutes pass after LASIK injection and there has not been a significant urine excretion, then this defines obstruction on LASIK renogram. Now, if there is approximately 50% radio tracer washout between 10 to 20 minutes after injection, this can be indeterminate. Study of choice for Meckel's diverticulum when the patient is actively bleeding. If the patient is bleeding, then it's a GI bleed, and so best choice is a tagged red blood cell scan. When to use technetium HMPAO over indium white blood cell scan for evaluating of osteomyelitis, typically in kids because technetium has a lower absorbed dose and short half-life, short imaging interval, which means that we can image sooner and if the bones are small such as the hand and feet because it has better resolution mechanism of brain death study the key for brain death study is using intravascular radio tracer and what we look for is absence of blood flow to the brain why do we get absence of blood flow to the brain in brain death because of brain edema this will create pressure in the brain would be higher than the systolic pressure within the arteries and this will prevent blood from going to the brain so on a brain angiography or even a nuclear medicine scan what we get we get to see blood or radio tracer in the external carotid artery territory meaning the facial muscles but nothing going in the brain and nothing in the vertebral arteries hida scan consistent with chronicle cystitis would show delayed radio tracer uptake in the gallbladder meaning slow filling typically over a couple of hours and low ejection fraction even with stimulation of the gallbladder. So if we stimulate the gallbladder with cholecystokinine, here at our institution, they use Insure to stimulate the gallbladder because I don't think cholecystokinine is in production or it's too expensive. Uh, and so ejection fraction less than 30%, which be consistent with chronic cholecystitis and delayed filling of the gallbladder. In bone scan, when do we see diffuse decrease bone uptake of MDP radio tracer? So MDP is actually technetium-based radio tracer. So if there is failure of technetium and MDP to bind to each other, meaning there is free technetium, technetium would go whatever technetium would typically go. So GI system, salivary gland, and thyroid, and not the bone. Or if the patient on bisphosphonate therapy, so MDP, the P stands for phosphate, Bisphosphonate therapy is also a similar mechanism. So there would be competitive binding between MDP and bisphosphonate, and so we will see decreased bone uptake if patient on bisphosphonate therapy. Differential for liver uptake of technetium MDP, four reasons. One, alumina contamination of MDP, cancer, hepatoma, or metastasis will uptake technetium MDP, amyloidosis, and liver necrosis. Again, differential for liver uptake of MDP, alumina contamination, cancer, amyloidosis, and liver necrosis. Preferred nuclear medicine test for spine osteo. For spine osteo, the preferred imaging is gallium because it is there is more uptake in the infected bone. This is in comparison to indium where there is failure of migration into the spine and obviously we know that sulfur colloid there is less uptake in infected bone to begin with. So gallium is the ideal study for spine osteomyelitis. Presentation of cardiac ischemia on nuclear medicine imaging. So ischemic tissue means that it will not uptake radio tracer or not perform as well, sorry. So there would be less uptake of radio tracer in, on stress because there is less blood flow as compared to the rest of the myocardial tissue. 
but on rest there is the same amount of blood flow so same amount of radio tracer uptake obviously less blood flow will mean less contractility particularly under stress again ischemia will is due to decreased blood flow which is worsening by stress which means there's less radio tracer uptake in stress same radio tracer uptake on rest unless the stenosis is so severe that there is decreased blood flow even on rest typically we see symptomatic lesions because there is chest pain on exertion and so there is decreased blood flow on stress and these lesions will not contract normally because they're not getting enough blood when available, what is the average dose of CCK or cholecystokinin for a high disc scan? Typically 0.2 microgram per kilogram injected over 60 minutes or morphine, uh, sorry, again, cholecystokinin dosage for high disc scan is 0.2 microgram per kilogram over 60 minutes. If we want to give morphine to augment it, which will cause a sphincter of IOD constriction which technically should help radio tracer backfill into the gallbladder if needed what is the dose for it it's 0.2 milligram per kilogram over 30 to 60 minutes again cholecystokinin dosage is 0.2 microgram again 0.2 microgram for cholecystokinin per kilogram for morphine it's 0.02 milligram Per kilogram. Both of them kind of functions uh, differently. For cholecystokinin, it would induce the gallbladder to constrict and allow us to evaluate gallbladder ejection fraction. For morphine, it will cause sphincter of Audi constriction, which will allow backfilling of the gallbladder. We can use morphine if there is delayed filling of the gallbladder to evaluate for chronic cholecystitis. For cholecystokinin, we also use it to evaluate for cholecystitis through evaluating the contraction fraction or ejection fraction of the gallbladder. For pulmonary perfusion ventilation scan, what is the number of TEC-MAA particle typically used for a normal patient? Again, we're talking about TEC-MAA, so we're talking about the MAA particles that are used, not the technetium ratio. The average number of MAA particle used is 500,000 for a normal patient. For a pregnant patient or a patient with right to left shunt, we use 100,000. And for a pediatric patient, we use between 10,000 to 50,000 tech MAA particle. Here we're not talking about the radio tracer uh, dose. We're talking about MAA particle. They can be tricky and give you the technetium number or the radio tracer dose. What we mean by MAA, so MAA is a large particle. And if, for example, we use it in a, we use a large number in patient with pulmonary hypertension, we can cause them to go into severe or worsen their pulmonary hypertension because we will obstruct a large number of patients. So in patients with a pregnant patient or shunt or pulmonary hypertension patient, we will use a lower number than average for MAA. Same things for kids, their lung has not matured, and so we'll use a lower number of tech MAA. I think therefore, Pediatric patients, based on their age and weight, there is a chart that will display the ratio or the number of MAA particles that we use. Again, to summarize, for a normal patient, the number of MAA particle that we use is 500,000. For pregnant or shunt patient or a patient with pulmonary hypertension, we'll use a lower number, approximately around 100,000. And for a pediatric patient, we'll use between 10 to 50,000 MAA particle. We do not typically reduce the radio tracer 
meaning the technetium part in this study because we want to get good imaging. The only time that we may decrease the radio tracer is in pediatric lungs because they have less area and we want to decrease the uh, radio tracer dosage to them so we would decrease the radio tracer but if we decrease the particle MAA particle size we do not decrease the radio tracer we just decrease the MAA particle so you will have a higher concentration of technetium as compared to a normal patient okay we'll end with this question today for infarct or ischemia how do we image it in nuclear medicine so what we do is typically we give diamox or acetazolamide this will increase cerebral blood flow typically about three times the normal flow in ischemic area where their vasodilation effect is already in maximum meaning when there's ischemia the brain response is to vasodilate the other vessels around that ischemia territory to increase blood flow so when we give acetazolamide we will not notice any change of blood flow to a particular territory because it's already maximized and that would indicate that this area is ischemic and it would present as hypo intense area on radio tracer imaging